The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your very grateful host, Kathy Fairbanks, and delighted that you've decided to join us today. Now, for anyone who has never heard the term the Compassionate Samurai, I would make a recommendation that you go back to our archives in November of 2015 and check out the 10 traits of a Compassionate Samurai and take a deeper dive into what that means. In essence, what we're talking about is being a warrior out there in the world, in your business, and marrying that spirit up with compassion. So you're a bold ethical leader, one that's committed with honor and trustworthy, but also a leader that comes from knowledge and abundance and boldness. Marry that up with compassion and you will be unstoppable. Now, for today's show, we're going to switch it up a little bit and have some learning lessons. What we've decided to do is to to deliver learning lessons to help you coach not only yourself, but others in your team for peak performance. And so what I'm going to do today is take out 10 lessons, and we won't get through all 10 lessons today. So this is part one of our series for leadership lessons. I've taken in the book written by Brian Klimmer. Now, Brian Klimmer is the founder of Klimmer and Associates, and he wrote a lovely business book entitled When Good Intentions Run Smack Into Reality. And what that book really focuses on are principles and tools and suggestions on what you can do to self-coach as well as coach your team, your business group to produce extraordinary results. And I guess the question to really pose here is, have you ever hit a wall? I know I've hit a wall from time to time and sometimes feel that obstacles are blocking my path. Now, if you're encountering more challenges than you anticipated and you're looking for ways to get over or under or around that wall, then that's a show. This show is for you because we don't really have time in business today for impractical cliches. And even if those cliches are true, they don't really help you get over and through the hurdles that you're facing today. The other thing in business, we know that we don't want to spend time being criticized for not reaching our desired goals. You're hard enough on yourself already. You don't need somebody else adding to the criticism. And the other item that I'd really suggest is you don't want to be pumped up with any sort of false views or hopes or a distortion of reality. I want to encourage you to stay on course and then also make the course corrections that you need in your business. So what we're going to do today is discover and uncover practical and encouraging and challenging tools. It's the whole reason for you to listen in today. So let's dive right in to lesson number one. So Brian Klemmer has a really large body of work and workshops are provided all over the world, both publicly and also for organizations. Organizations. And within that, one of the key components, the foundational component, is one we call fact 
meaning. So at Clemmer and Associates, what we're talking about are two realms. And if you want a deeper dive into fact meaning, a few weeks ago, we completed a show with Kimberly Zink, the president of Clemmer and Associates. And she's actually written an entire book regarding fact meaning. This young woman had a challenging life as she grew up. Lots and lots of obstacles were coming her way. Those were the facts in her life. And one of the things that she was able to do with this training was to come up with a different set of meanings around those very same facts that held her down. She was able to design new meanings in her life around what those facts have been able to do to help produce big results in her life and help her get everything that she wants out of life and also make a difference in this world. So let's talk about these two realms that we're going to call fact and meaning. So I'm not talking about changing the facts because the fastest way to change a belief system is through emotional involvement. Now, we will also talk about repetition a little bit later in the show, but when you're emotionally involved in something, it can create a large amount of change for you. So, when we look at this around fact and meaning, what we're talking about is the facts remain the same. And you get to start choosing what it is those meanings get to make. So if you take a piece of paper, go ahead and write the word fact on one side of the paper and start jotting down some facts or some experiences that are true in your life. Now, I'll give you an example. Um, I was in the same industry of financial services for about 21-ish years, and After that amount of time, the company I worked for was bought by another very large company, larger company. And after a few months, after the dust settled, I was laid off. So fact is, I was laid off. So that's one example that I would write down. Fact is, I was laid off. So maybe the second thing that I would write down is I was born and raised in Indiana. That's a fact. I went to Indiana University, Kelly Business School. That's a fact. Um, I'm married for 28 years. Fact. Have two adult children. Fact. Now, I then start producing from the moment I was born stories that I truly believe at the subconscious level around the meanings that those facts have in my life. I was laid off, I grew up in Indiana, went to college in Indiana, married with two kids. So that's what I'm talking about, of coming up with your facts. The reason we're going through this exercise today is for you to get a handle on some facts that have been, it's not the facts that have been dogging you, but it's the meaning that you're attaching to those facts that may or may not be dogging you. Now, If the meanings aren't causing you any problem, leave them alone. They're serving you well. But if you happen to come up with some meanings in your life that are not serving you, that are not supporting you, then you have an opportunity to take a look at that, put them under a microscope, and start developing a secondary, a completely different meaning around those facts. So let's say in my case, let's just take the first example. I was laid off at 44 years old and had been in the same industry the entire time. Now, what could I have made that mean from a negative standpoint of view? Well, I'll give you some examples. Maybe I could make that mean life isn't fair and the corporate world doesn't care about me. Now, that could have been an unhealthy meaning that I adopted, or it could have been, I just wasn't smart enough to hold on to my job and be one of the 10 people out of several hundred that they decided to keep. I wasn't good enough. Or it could be great things just don't last. I had a great job. I love my job. I would have stayed with that company, I bet, until it was time for me to retire, Now, those are some negative meanings that I could have made that mean around that fact. 
Instead, I chose, now that's the key word, I chose to create a completely different meaning for me around being laid off. Because inside of me, I was already starting to rumble a little bit after 21 years, thinking that I might want to have a phase two sort of career, that I might want to jump into something else and explore a completely different career opportunity. So some of the meanings that I created around the fact of being laid off was fantastic. This gives me the time, the energy, the motivation to go out and cultivate the research that I need to do around what's my next career choice. I also could let that meaning be this job served me so well foundationally in the corporate world that I am now ready to walk into entrepreneurship. Or I could have created a meaning around I now have the opportunity to go with a completely blank canvas, use all the tools I've learned before, and apply those tools to my next stage and phase in life to be contributing to my bottom line as well as someone else's. So that you see this, the shift is pretty large and pretty different. Now, I can tell you there were hundreds of people laid off during this buyout. And with that in mind, do you think we all came up with the same meaning? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There were many people, I would say, who went what I'd call victim to their circumstances. In fact, I was in one of the Clemmer seminars yesterday, and I heard the president say, are you quality-driven or circumstance-driven? Well, those who are circumstance-driven would take a meaning of, oh, I wasn't worthy to hold on to, or I'm just not good enough to hold on to a job. And so with the meaning, you can see how the same fact can conjure up a lot of different meanings for different people. So let me take it out of a work context even. Let's say you're at an amusement park with your family, with your friends, and roller coasters are out there as an option. So fact is, it's time to ride the roller coaster. Now, some in the group, are they all going to have, let's say, are they all going to have the same feeling around riding the roller coaster? Of course not. Some people are going to be as nervous as can be. Other people are going to can't, they they can't wait for the thrill of the ride and the loop-de-loop turns and everything that goes wild and crazy with the roller coaster. The roller coaster didn't change. It was the meaning that each each and every individual provided around the roller coaster and what they let roller coaster rides mean for them. So if you just take a poll, take a poll around your office and and ask people, what do you think about roller coasters? Are you up? Are you down? Are you neutral? Are you positive with them? Again, same fact, roller coaster riding. Now, what does all this mean? Fact is, you've put it in your fact box. The facts don't mean anything. Now, Your head might be swiveling a little bit. I'm not saying that the facts aren't important. And I'm not saying that the facts aren't, are are meaningless. They're meaningful. But whatever meaning you're giving to that fact, you clearly, or you clearly, I clearly made up. And it boats the question, if I made up the meaning in the very first place, Wouldn't it make sense that if my fact box is still full of things that actually happen, there's no changing or denying that at all, but I could change the meaning that I'm attaching, and I could make those first meanings very meaningless, and I could come up with a whole new set of meanings that are going to serve me and move me forward. 
Now, here's where I would want to hit the caution sign a little bit, because once you make any fact or experience mean something, whether it's positive or negative, you then will go around recreating more and more events to support that meaning. All right? So that's a key thing. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because let's just take the work example. If you left the layoff position with a scenario that says, I absolutely cannot hold down a job. I just got laid off. You will go out and attract and conjure more and more evidence where you're not able to hold a job and continue to get laid off. So it's so important that you take an assessment around which of those meanings are serving you in life. Step one of that assessment is simply admit that you made up the meaning. Step number two, very, very simple, very important. Make it mean something else. And then step number three, starting with emotional value and repetition around what you let and what you support that second meaning to be. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. When we come back from this next break, we're going to start talking about why problems are your very best friends. Stay tuned for more. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Great leaders today have certain capabilities that set them apart. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership, hosted by Kate Ebner, is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these stories and concepts every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And today we're covering off on a few of the lessons to coach yourself and others to peak performance. Now, we've covered off on lesson number one, which is a shift in your thinking around facts and meanings. Let's move on to lesson number two. And what lesson number two is, we're going to focus on why problems are your best friends. Now, it's often said that Dogs are actually man's best friend. But we're going to suggest at Clemmer and Associates that your best friends are actually the problems and the obstacles that you're thinking. So let's pause for a moment. How does an average person think about problems? 
Are they positive or they're negative? When we ask that question in seminars all around the world, and it doesn't make a difference whether it's a public class with students from all walks of life or whether it's a corporate class or a nonprofit or an association class, it doesn't matter. When we ask the students, how many of you like to have problems in your life or obstacles? No one raises their hand. No one. So without question, when it comes to the average person, they're very negative about problems. People view problems from the standpoint of view as being bad or unwanted or undeserved. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and buy or attract a bunch of problems. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am suggesting that maybe... Having a negative viewpoint around problems is one reason why people remain average. And compassionate samurai are not average. These are the movers and the shakers and the get-it-done people in the world. And these are the people that are making a big difference in the world. Compassionate samurai. So average people think a certain way. And successful people think in a completely different way. Now, what I'm, what I'm talking about really is average people being negative in their thinking around problems. Successful people, they love the problems, they eat them for breakfast. Now, you would wonder why. Well, it's because problems create value. Problems create breakthrough. The more problems you're able to solve, the more valuable you become as a leader as a boss, as a manager, as a family member, and the more money you'll make. If you've moved out the obstacles or the barriers to making more money, you've solved problems. And solving problems and overcoming obstacles also will provide more responsibility. You'll be much more in the driver's seat of this thing called life. So let me give you an idea Let me give you a concept. Problems create value and opportunity. So let's go back. Let's go back a few centuries. And let's take the story of David and Goliath. Now, we all know David as the little shepherd boy who came out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And he comes in and he slays the number one bad guy in the neighborhood called Goliath. Now, That was a problem solved. The best thing that ever could have happened to David was Goliath. Because without Goliath as the problem, David could have never, ever become king. So when we think about climbing up that ladder of success, whatever your king or queen goal results are, you must first slay that giant. And it all comes down to how we handle the problems that are presented in front of us. So I want to move on to, we're just going to call it an art lesson today. Um, I'm being a little little cheeky here, but if you have access to a clean sheet of paper and a pencil, what I'd like for you to do is take that sheet of paper and make four different quadrants with that paper. All right, so you've got four squares available, horizontally, vertically. And what I'd like for you to do at the bottom of each one of those squares, I want you to write in square number one, and it doesn't matter what order you do this, write number one, and then at a different square, I want you to write at the bottom of that square, number two, and then at the third square, go ahead and write out number three, and then of course the fourth square, you're going to write out number four. Now, above each of these numbers, I want you to draw, this is the art project part of it, a smiley face, all right? So you've got the numbers, either one, two, three, or four in each one of the squares, and then you have four smiley faces, one above each one of those numbers. And then about an inch or so above the smiley faces, what I'd like for you to do is draw a line, just about a one-inch line, all right? And then above that line, 
straight straight uh, vertical line, by the way. And then above that line, what I'd like for you to do is draw a rectangle, about the same, maybe twice as um, much of a width as the as the smiley face. And so the way it would look thus far is you have a number, and then you have a smiley face. And then about an inch long line coming out of the top of the smiley face. And then above that, you have a rectangle. Now, above the rectangle, I'm going to give you some specific instructions there. What I'd like for you to do above square number one, smiley face number one, above the rectangle, I want you to draw one star. Just one star. And then above square number two, I'd also like for you to draw a star above that rectangle. Now above number three, what you're going to do above that rectangle is draw 5, 10, 20 stars. Tons and tons of stars. 5, 10, or 20. Doesn't really make a difference, but at least five. All right? And then on number four, we're going to leave that alone. So number four is going to look like a smiley face with a line and then the rectangle. All right? Now, let me kind of deconstruct this a little bit and give you some definitions around the art project that you just made. So the smiley faces actually represent you, your team, and your company. And the stars actually represent your goals. Now, you can see the barrier or the boxes between you and your goals, the stars. Those represent your problems or obstacles. That's what you need to climb over. You need to get through that wall. Now, you'll notice that there are no stars above number four thinkers. So in this exercise, we call it the four thinkers. At first glance, you notice right away that number four thinkers have no goals. There are no stars above their head, none whatsoever. So those are the people in life you recognize as apathetic. Those are the people in life that you see, they aren't going anywhere. They are just stuck in a rut. And I know Brian Klimmer used to say, used to ask us, do you know what a rut is? And a rut really is a grave with the ends knocked out. And unfortunately, a number four thinker, they also never run into any problems. And here's why. They don't have any problems, and they'll tell you that because they avoid problems, which means they also avoid goals. They just don't have a specific direction in life. And we've all met them. We've met people where they go through and live an entire year, but they're really not living a year on purpose or with passion. They just live the same day all 365 times. Now, with that, what that means is they go to the same place of work, they go drive the same way, they eat the same places, they hang out with the same friends, and they maintain the same way of thinking throughout their entire life. Now, in this example, I'm going to use television as a little bit of an analogy for how television is handled in the life of all four of these styles of thinking. So a number four thinker is going to have the remote control and the TV. They sit down in their comfortable chair and they quickly turn on the television, but they never change the channels. Now, I'm exaggerating here. I realize that. But what would be the point of changing channels? They don't really have a particular show or a particular goal in mind for sitting down and watching TV. Eventually, they're just going to fall asleep. And let's say there's some loud commercial that that burst on or a Star Star Spangles banner starts playing or something of that. They've gone from zoning out to being jolted back into an awake state. And number four thinkers have their very favorite, absolute favorite phrase is, huh? Yeah, that's right. Huh? You could ask them something that jars them awake And they're coming out of that comatose state of thinking called, huh? So, self-assessment, we want to make sure that we're always out of that number four thinking. We don't want to buy into it. We don't want to go into it. And those are not the type of thinkers that we want on our team either. 
Now, let me change gears for you a little bit, and let's talk about number three thinkers. Now, number three thinkers are also very unique, but in a completely opposite way. They just don't have one goal. You'll see all of those many stars above their above their wall, their obstacle. And then here's what I want you to do for a number three thinker. That straight line that you drew, I want you to go ahead and draw a few other lines going in all different kind of directions between the smiley face and the wall and the obstacles. Because what's happening with number three thinkers They don't have just one goal. They have thousands and thousands of goals. They're energetic and they're enthusiastic. That can be contagious. But here's the difficulty. When a number three thinker meets resistance, guess what they do? Their solution is to simply change goals. Now, I don't know about you, but I've run into, and I've been a number three thinker from time to time, one of the things that a number three thinker will do, let's say you go to, um, I routinely go to networking meetings. I love going to networking meetings because I love meeting people, finding out what they're doing, what their why behind the why is, and really find their, their business success story and track them as they thrive. And what I find is sometimes when I go to networking meetings, I'll meet someone one month, and it's almost like Baskin-Robbins flavor of the month changing of ice cream. The next time I run into them, they're on a different career path, or they're working for a different company. And then six months later, they're on a completely different trajectory. And so number three thinkers literally have no mental discipline. They are mentally un disciplined. And they just continue to change and change and change. And with that in mind, nobody first becomes great without first overcoming the resistance. And so when number three thinkers are looking to create, it doesn't happen because they don't hang around long enough to create and get to the ultimate solution. Now, let's all move on to number two thinkers, and this is a, this is a tough one for me. Um, number two thinkers are very, very focused, but they still do not solve the problem. They cannot get through that rectangular wall or problem, and here's why. Take your line and draw, kind of make it a little bit of a triangle from one edge of the wall to the other where you form now a triangle between the wall and the smiley face. So when you do that, they still don't solve the problem between them and their goals. Here's why. They focus too much on the problem. They not only know about the problem, but they want to tell you all about the problem. From A to Z, they literally get stuck in the problem. And here's how you can recognize a number two thinker. You may hear phrases like, you have to be realistic, or you just didn't understand the complexity of the problem. What they'll look to do is justify their inaction, right? Whether or not they realize it or not, By focusing on the enormous problem, what's going to happen? They literally are going to get stuck. And what we will start hearing from team members is, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And so when it comes, let's say, to the remote control, let's put it back into the television context. When it comes to the point of a remote control, here's what happens. Yeah, sure enough, they're going to be watching the television, but they're not necessarily watching the television for enjoyment. Let's say it's a Western, an old-fashioned spaghetti Western. So what's going to happen with the number two thinker? They're going to start trolling during the movie for mistakes. If they happen to be watching this Western and the gunshots go off, they're going to start counting how many shots the six-gun popped off, or they're going to start looking for tire tracks right under the wagons. So whenever and whatever number 
two thinkers focus on, they will never be able to get through to their goal because they're so focused on the problem, they literally become the problem themselves. Now, let's move on to the highly evolved number one thinker. Number one thinkers look at it as whatever it takes to reach their goal, they're going to do it. So I'd like for you to take that vertical line and blast that through the rectangle and attach it to the star. Because what's going to happen is the number one thinkers are the getter done kind of people. They're going to get that obstacle. They're going to overcome that obstacle. And when they get bored, let's say with television, guess what? Those number one thinkers are the people who invented VCRs and DVD players and HDTV. They keep creating and creating. And the obstacles barely become a speed bump in their life. Now, here's the true test. What about you? It's been often said that 90% people around this world fall in the the category of number two, number three, or number four thinkers. Only about 10% are solution-oriented number one thinkers. So my challenge to you is, anytime you observe a new obstacle or a new opportunity to learn, make that conscious decision around which type of thinker you are. Because remember, the more problems you can solve, the more valuable you'll be, the more money you'll make, and the more responsibility you get to have. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. When we come back from the next break, we're going to be talking about turning ordinary into extraordinary within your life and your business. Stay tuned for more. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is Kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. 
Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And we've been discussing today coachable moments, coachable moments for yourself and others for peak performance. Our first lesson, we covered off on fact meaning. And lesson number two, we really discovered why problems can become your best friends. They can be an accelerant for you in producing your life, the results that you're looking to produce. Now, lesson number three, where I want to focus, and this is just such a brilliant, brilliant lesson that Brian Clemmer was able to introduce to Clemmer and Associates, and it's also a fundamental piece of the training modules that we offer for companies out there in the world, and that is how do you turn ordinary into extraordinary? Now, the answer may not be what you think. It's not about the best marketing piece, the best advertising piece. It's not about the best conversion rate. Although those things are important, if you want to be extraordinary in life, then you must be willing to make extraordinary agreements and then keep those extraordinary agreements. Now, you might be wondering what do agreements have to do with having and living an extraordinary life or an extraordinary business? Well, I would suggest that business always revolves around legal agreements, of course, but it also revolves around those subtle, not-so-legal agreements. Where you work depends upon agreements, what time you show up, what projects you take on, and what entities and goals you've set out to make your budget. Those are all agreements. Buying a car is based upon agreements. Having a relationship with your bank is based upon agreements. And certainly when it comes to relationships with friends and family, that's all about agreements. And to an essence, we have an agreement with this earth. And if you believe in a creator, we have an agreement with our creator and a plan that rotates around the sun. So both making and keeping agreements play a big, big part of your success. So what I want to start out with is part number one. Let's talk about making big agreements because I know when you make big agreements, you also produce really big results. So let's consider the size of agreements that you're accustomed to making. So if we use a scale of, let's say, 1 to 10, go ahead and mentally rate the size of your agreements that you're making at work, also making with your family and friends, and also the agreement with yourself. And then you want to ask yourself, are these large and expansive or are they small and limited agreements? Because if you're not making huge agreements, then you're actually sacrificing For the sake of comfort, and yes, comfort has become quite an addiction uh, for uh, we humans walking this planet. Take a look. Are you actually sacrificing big results just to stay comfortable or possibly to look good? You've made a trade. You've traded comfort for keeping easy agreements. You're kind of sandbagging in your life. And let's take a look at that a little bit deeper. So if you're feeling good and comfortable and you haven't broken any agreements, what are you forfeiting? What are you giving up? You're giving up large, huge results in your life. And in the end, that's kind of a poor trade. So what I'd like for us to really focus on is that mediocre or average size agreements, they never bring extraordinary results. You may know people, in fact, who have given up on making New Year's resolutions because they know they're not going to keep them. The solution is not about stop to making agreements, but to learn how to commit and keep the agreements that you do make. Now, the reality is, I think, unfortunately, most people, they have a need to be comfortable, and that becomes the addiction. And then they settle for a life that is not as significant as it could be. So again, part one is about making big agreements. You get to choose. Do you want to go big? Do you want to go small? Part two is the aspect of keeping those big agreements. 
So in a Klimmer seminar, the focus on this is around big agreements and their consequences, small agreements and their consequences, and discerning whether or not there's really a difference between the two. So part of being able to keep the agreements, even if they're uncomfortable, comes from our ability to become very comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, I'm sure that's not the first time you've ever heard that statement, becoming comfortable with becoming uncomfortable. Think about that. Where are you pushing your envelope of growth where you're stepping into uncomfortable and you're doing it anyway? That's what leadership is. That's what a compassionate samurai is. So, for those of you who accept being uncomfortable, you can place that above your natural preference of comfort and accomplish really tremendously great things. Now, we also have to look at the prices we're paying for not keeping our agreements. And this is an important aspect because there are unforeseen prices. One of the first things that comes into play is to take a look at whether or not you know the price that you are paying for not keeping your agreements. So the more you become aware of the prices that are associated with breaking agreements, the more likely you are to making the right choices and keeping your agreements. So let me just give you an example, and this happens in the workplace all the time. Um, I know it certainly did with me before I became very cognizant of the fact of keeping an agreement. So let's say we were just going to have a, a leadership meeting, a regular leadership meeting, maybe a little bit of a strategy session, and a full, a few of us roll in, let's say the start time was going to be 9 a.m., and a few of us actually roll in at 9.05 we're looking at our phones, we're returning messages, and we have a group of people who were on time, maybe even a little bit early, and a group of people who stroll in late. What might the people who were on time feel about the people who were late? May they feel a bit disrespected? Sure they might. That's the price we pay. Some of this becomes habit and just having the cognizance around whether or not we're looking to break some of these bad habits. So let's do an exercise. What I'd like for you to do right now is take out a piece of paper and start compiling a list of things that are really important in your life and in your business. You can mingle the two um, because very much so it said the way we do Anything is the way we do almost everything. So let's make a list of, let's say, 10 or 12 items that are really important to us in our life. Well, when we do that, what you might find are some of the things that are important in life. If I make a list to myself, certainly my, fa- my family is very important. This work that I do for Clemmer and Associates is very important. Health is important. Time, money, friends. Maybe you have peace of mind on your list. Maybe you have security or freedom or love or fun. We could go on and on and really make a robust list of what matters and makes a difference in our life. Now, I want you to take out a separate piece of paper, a completely different piece of paper. And what I'd like for you to do now is think of moments in your life where prices were paid with broken agreements. Someone broke an agreement with you. What was that over? Was it a broken agreement around relationship or family? Could it have been failing health? That's a broken agreement. Could it be loss of finances, money, a loss of a friend? Could it have been a broken agreement around security or freedom or love or time? So, Do you notice the obvious when you start working on these lists? I think the obvious here is, which of these two lists, how do they compare? They virtually, most likely, are identical. Didn't you find almost everything on your first list of what matters was exactly what was on your list of breaking the agreement around the price you paid for breaking that agreement? Yeah, 
And it doesn't matter where we do this exercise, all throughout the world, the answers are always the same. Those broken agreements, there's heavy prices to pay. So one of the things that can happen, just as simple as walking in to a meeting late, it's only five minutes. Let's say you were closing a big deal. It was only five minutes, not a really big deal in one's mind. But what might that do with your peers and the relationships that you work with? It potentially is going to compromise the trust. Now, keep in mind, the more you keep the wor- your word, the more your subconscious mind will work on your behalf to help you accomplish your goal. Certainly an important aspect in business. So if you want an extraordinary life, then you must be willing to make extraordinary agreements and also keep those extraordinary agreements. Now, I want to focus on some ways in which our listeners can tap in to more of this training with Klimmer and Associates. So, Klimmer and Associates offers three-day workshops all throughout the world in public classes. So, if you go to the website at www.klimmer.com, you'll be able to learn a lot more and tap into some free resources. There's a beautiful resource that will give you a 52-week leadership lesson, one lesson a week, that keeps you in the movement of personal growth. Now, if you want to call the office and chat a little bit about the team there, let them know that you are listening to the Voice America radio show, and they'll help you out, answer questions, and enroll you in a seminar at a deeply discounted rate. That phone number is 800-577-5447. Clemmer & Associates is an international company dedicated to creating bold and ethical leaders in a world that works for everyone with no one left out. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and very grateful to be delivering the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Next week, our guest will be Rosie Aiello, and Rosie will be sharing with us time management and strategic tools to use and apply in your business every day. Until next week, I say knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 